So as you will have gathered, we are switching it up. So um, we are going to have a time of extended worship after this because um, I had the sense as we were preparing that um, God wants a hungry people. And um, like, a, like a dry sponge, we've been, we've been dry and God wants to soak us again. So um, not that um, we couldn't just wait now and and God meet us, but I feel like he wanted to just draw a few things from the passage and then have a time of worship. And not that that's anything in particularly special, because we could just ask him to come and meet us now, but um, there's just a time of in worship where we concentrate and fix our eyes on him. And and we'll see from the passage that actually that is probably quite important too. Um, So uh, Holy Spirit, come, uh, soften our hearts to hear you. Soften us now to receive your word. Um, Liz, did I give you my Bible? Is that kicking about somewhere? Okay, so um, I just wanted to give you a quick update on the patio. Does anyone remember I've been doing the patio? This has been a year-long journey, and every time I'm here, I harp on about the patio. It's finished, everyone! (laughs) Yay! Um, So these are some updates, kind of halfway through. Building a brick wall. Apparently, a builder tells me that I've built a brick wall that could hold a house. So um, the foundations were way too deep, way too wide. But So if we ever sell our house and someone tries to dig it up, they're going to have a real job on their hands. Um, This is me and Caleb building together. Um, And there it is. Finished patio. Um, Yeah. So it's been fun. Thank you for bearing with me. Um, And hopefully, if you would like a barbecue, uh, we do a mean barbecue. So come and let us know. We'd love to have you. Um, No, the the wall has been amazing. And actually, during that time, God has taught me so much about him. Uh, He has invited me into deeper friendship with him. And uh, it's been amazing, actually, because a lot of the time, uh, there have been moments, there's been lots of moments where I've had help from lots of you, which has been amazing. But there have been moments where I've just been out there on my own. And there's been a real rhythm and um, uh, a real kind of quietness and stillness to that time. It's been, it's actually been one of the places where I've really met with God this year and I will miss my patio. <laughs> um, so if you need a patio doing, if, you, if you've got a year um, and lots of money to throw at it, come and let me know. I will uh, slowly build you a slightly ropey patio. Um, here we go, Pentecost. So this is Pentecost Sunday. Um, and as I've been thinking about this, I've been really encouraged because God really loves to pour out his goodness on his people. Um, and we see it here. And, and just imagine you're, like Liz said, imagine you're one of these disciples. So what's happened? Let's just look back quickly. Um, for those of you that don't know, Jesus has died. He's given himself on the cross to transform the world, to change the world, to take the sin of the world the punishment that we deserve, to to exchange places with us, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. That happened on the cross. This real um, deep shift where God goes, come to me. The temple curtain is torn into full access to the fullness of God. That's what happened. And then on the uh, uh, three days later, Jesus died. He fully died. He was fully dead. What happened? The Holy Spirit says, raised him from the dead, conquering death. Without the resurrection, the cross would mean nothing, just another good man dying. 
The resurrection power shows that he is God, shows that he has a hope and a purpose and a plan for us and invites us into an adventure with him. And these disciples still probably wouldn't have fully understood it. They'd seen him die in deep despair and sorrow. They'd seen him come again. They'd seen him raised. And they're like, wow, you're here. And then all that excitement, you know, probably still thinking that he was going to storm into Jerusalem on a white horse. You're back, you're back. Let's go. Let's take over the Romans. But then he goes. He ascends to heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father. You imagine the emotional journey, the emotional roller coaster. So real, like they're in this place and, they, and Jesus says, go to Jerusalem and wait there. Go to Jerusalem and wait there. I will send you a helper. So they're waiting. They don't really know what this will mean. And there's 120 of them in this room. And they're in this room and, and they're waiting. They're waiting and they're, they're wondering what this could look like. Probably some filled with hope. Some, you know, um, perplexed. What is this going to look like? This, this hope of the resurrection. But then what is this helper going to look like that is coming? And we see, um, we see here that... Um, this story, this, um, this description of what happened on this day. Now, God knows what he's doing. I don't know if you know that. God knows what he's doing. You see, because um, Pentecost was 50 days after the Passover. Pent, five, 50 days after the Passover. And uh, Pentecost was one of the feasts where the Israelites, one of the three feasts that the Israelites were called to come back to celebrate the festivals in Jerusalem. So imagine Jerusalem just buzzing with people. Thousands and thousands of people. Thousands of people in one place. And do you know what's amazing? The, the feast that they were going to was called the Feast of Harvest. The Feast of Harvest. And what happened on that day, as we read this description, and, and then as, um, as the story goes on, Peter then shares, from this place of being filled, he shares the good news of Jesus. And 3,000 people that day come to faith. It's not a coincidence that God had all of those people in Jerusalem at that time, because it's called the Feast of Harvests. There is a great harvest. One of the amazing things about encountering the Holy Spirit, and as we, as we look at the passage, it's about the harvest. Being filled with God's presence is for us, but it's also about the world. He intends us to go and see the harvest come. This moment is about quickening. It's about an encounter. It's about preparing God's people for the Great Commission. So Jesus, when he leaves, he says, all authority on earth, on heaven and earth, I give to you. Now go and make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. Go and make disciples here, to the next town, to the next town, to the rest of the world. He had a plan for the harvest, and this was the equipping that they needed to be sent to the harvest. 
When the Holy Spirit comes in this way, it is for a quickening of his people. It's for an outpouring for a specific time. And we've seen this through church history. Revival history shows us that that God does this big outpouring of his presence, a real shift in the harvest, people coming to faith and and really um, repenting of sin. That is one of the marks. And then it kind of settles a bit. And then God does it again. It's this ebb and flow of the presence of God. Now, it's not that um, when those moments aren't happening, like now, you know, we're not in a time of revival at the minute, but when those moments aren't happening, we are still full of God's presence, and we still get to keep on being filled. Paul uses that language all the time. His present tense is keep on being filled. Because actually, these, these two roles of the Holy Spirit that I want us to focus on, one is the present filling that we are filled. The minute that you say yes to Jesus, begin to follow him, the the infilling of his presence. Keep on being filled. Why? To be sanctified so that your life looks more like Jesus. And what does that look like? It looks like the fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, self-control. Have I missed one? Gentleness. Um, That is what the fruit of that in your life every day. And it looks like this. Plodding, I like to call it. Obedience in the same direction. 60 years, 70 years of walking with him. Your life being changed and transformed. People seeing that difference in your life. What would it look like if your neighbours, your friends, your colleagues saw the fullness of the fruit of the Spirit in your life? All the time. That's what he's doing in the daily walk, in the obedience. But there are key moments, and he invites us into key moments of deep encounter, of deep infilling, so that we are fired up and sent out. I remember the, um, one of the last times that I felt a real um, tangible sense of God's presence. Um, we were uh, in form, and we'd done this temple, journey of the temple, and I was... I could picture myself in the Holy of Holies, and God just met me deeply there. And uh, it was the, the vision that I had was of God doing open heart surgery on me and changed, totally changed my body. This deep encounter, and I was, I was like in this vision for four hours, and everyone was like hoovering around me, wondering what was going on. Um, I was deeply meeting with God, and from that place, um, and it's always, it's not how you go down, it's not how you encounter, but it's how you come up. Is how you come out of that place. What is the fruit of your life going to look like when you've met with him? When he's filled you? When you've encountered him? It doesn't matter what it looks like. Some Some people shake when they meet Holy Spirit. Some people scream, shout, joy, wail, cry. Some people fall over. It doesn't matter. It's how you come out of that place. And from that place, I remember um, walking into Rich Atkinson's office filled with God's presence. And he was um, unfortunately on a Skype call. And I just said, be filled. And everyone on the Skype call met with God. Um, And then um, Rachel Madriaga, bless her, was, was quite pregnant at that time. I said, I'll just pray that you'd be filled with God's presence. And she crumpled to the floor. I thought, what's going on? Um, but, and in that time, for three or four days, um, I was deeply meeting with God and able to prophesy and share with people um, that God really loved them and God had a plan for them and, and bring insight into um, who God was calling them to be. The, the, the fruit of me deeply meeting with God was actually about other people as well. It's for both us and others. And um, we see here, so um, 
let's just take a look. When the, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. When was the last time you were in a room with people that were hopeful for what God would do and hungry for how he would do it? When was the last time that you were with other people that were like-minded in the same place thinking, we're hungry for God's presence. We're yearning and desiring. We're hopeful for what could be, what could change. When was the last time that you committed time and space to do that with other people that had a similar way of thinking to you? The mark of revival, the mark of moves of the Spirit is always a hungry people. Always. And women, I love you because so often the women are the first ones to be hungry. Please teach us how to be hungry. Teach us all how to be hungry. So many stories of revival start with women on their knees desiring and hungering after God. What does it look like to be a people that are hopeful and hungry for his presence? Because we're so yearning and stirred for what he's going to do from that place. With other people to be like-minded and to long for and desire him to meet us. The disciples were in that place, in one place together. Deeply yearning, deeply longing. I can just imagine, just imagine the room. I can just imagine them beginning to worship. God, come, please. We're here waiting We're waiting for your promise, just beginning to lift him up to worship. And as they look around the room, fire, things begin to change. What is going on from this place of worship? And it's not, the Holy Spirit doesn't move in the same way every time. It says here, suddenly, suddenly it catches them off guard. They had no agenda. They weren't there saying, right, we're ready. Now he can meet us in this way. Holy Spirit does what he wants when he needs to do it. Holy Spirit is a person. Please hear that. He's a person of the Trinity. And sometimes it's easier to get our heads around Jesus, the historical figure, the man. But Holy Spirit is a person. He has characteristics. He woos you. He is in deep, he is longing for deep friendship and relationship with us. But in this moment, suddenly, a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Can you imagine that? This violent wind just sweeping across the house. Suddenly, a quickening and an empowering of his presence. Jonathan Edwards, the... um, he, he uh, oversaw and looked after an American revival 200 years ago. And he described it as this remarkable influence in his life. The Spirit of God being a remarkable influence in those moments. As well as the steady, constant shaping and molding that was going on in the everyday. But there were these moments of remarkable in- influence. They are special seasons from God of grace and mercy. Revival is the sovereign work of God. So we can't muster it up. We can't muster it up, but we can position ourselves, our hearts and minds to be ready for that. To be ready. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit is for the lost, the lonely and the broken. It is for us, yes, 
it is for us. And it, it is incredible when we meet tangibly with God in that way. But he does that so that we will tell the world of his goodness. We will tell the world that Jesus gave himself for them. We'll tell the world that he wants to uh, invite us into deep friendship and relationship with, with them. If we, if we deeply met with God, if a move of God came across our church now and we deeply encountered him, what would the rest of Sheffield look like? 600,000 people to know and love him. People in workplaces, fired up, hungry, praying, really, really stepping out in boldness and courage. You know, those moments where you think, oh, I could have shared there. Just taking every moment because we're so full and passionate of God's presence, we can't do anything but share. Stopping to pray for people in the street. Sharing Jesus. God knew what he was doing to have it at the feast of the harvest when Jerusalem was bustling and full of people. He is so about the harvest. He's about giving the helper to be with us in the harvest. What does it look like to partner with Holy Spirit? D.L. Moody um, wrote this as he encountered God. He... um, He was a preacher and preached with fire and uh, shared really, um, yeah, he he communicated really well. And there was a woman who would sit in the same seat um, when he preached and she would pray, I pray that you would really meet God. And he'd get really frustrated because he was like, I am, you know, I am. I'm sharing what God's saying to me from from scripture. And she'd be like, no, I pray that you'd, you'd really encounter God deep encounter and um and he this really frustrated him and uh, he went away and he was in um his church basically burnt down so he had to go to new york to ask for help basically money to rebuild the church and while he was there um off the back of this woman constantly saying this thing he said he said this one day in the city of new york oh what a day i cannot describe it i seldom refer to it it is almost too sacred an experience to name I can only say that God revealed himself to me and I had such an experience of his love that I had to ask him to stay his hand. I went to preaching again. The sermons were not different. I did not present any new truths and yet hundreds were converted. I would not now be placed back where I was before that blessed experience. If you should give me all the world, it would be small dust in the balance. Small dust in the balance to go back to that place of not having met God in that way. He preached the same thing. He said the same sermons, yet hundreds were converted. Why? Because he had the helper for the harvest. He had the helper for the harvest. He turned and said, I'm hungry and I'm hopeful. He listened to the challenge of the lady in the front row. And he said, God, I'm hungry. Before this, um, before this, it talks about him beginning to accept that challenge and taking that conviction and being convicted to be hungry, to be filled. He was hopeful and hungry and God met him with the helper for the harvest, all H's. He became hopeful and hungry and he was given the helper for the harvest. What would that look like right now? If God turned up right now, Holy Spirit in this place just met with us all deeply. 
We encountered his presence in a really deep and tangible way. What would the harvest look like tomorrow in our workplaces, in our universities? Sitting in an, in an exam tomorrow, just praying in tongues for the people around you. Praying for someone who's sick at work. Having utter boldness and confidence because we know he's wired us for the harvest, for the great commission. To make disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Do you want to see Sheffield changed and transformed? Let's be hopeful and hungry that God is going to meet us. That God is going to do that for us. At the end of um, this passage, it goes on, describes how they met with God, how the Holy Spirit filled them with tongues so that they could communicate with the people there. All of the people were there, heard the good news. I love this bit. Verse 11 said, um, all of these people... We hear them declaring wonders of God in our own tongues. Does you encountering God stir you to praise him more? Do those around you know that you're a Christian? Do they know that that God does incredible stuff in your lives? And their response, these people were amazed and perplexed. They asked one another, what does this mean? And I don't think that's a negative thing. I don't think them saying that is a negative thing. I think they're saying, what does this mean? Like, how do we learn more about this? Because the next verse says, some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine to drink. So these people before that, that said, what does this mean? These people were were stirred. So as people shared and declared the wonders of God in their own tongue, it caused people to go, what does this mean? Does your life and words cause people to ask, what does this mean? We need to be equipped for the harvest. God intends us to see the harvest fulfilled. The Great Commission is not fulfilled. It's not fulfilled. And we are part of that story to go and make disciples, but we can't do it in our own strength. We can't do it in our own strength. He, he wants us to long for him, to be hungry for him, to be hopeful of what he's going to do. And in those moments of deep need and desire, he is going to meet us, send the helper for the harvest. We talk about Sheffield all the time. Be transformed. Sorry, um, transforming Sheffield. Make life better. Make disciples. You'll have heard it so many times. But actually, we are not going to be able to do that on our own. The only way we can do that, only way we're really going to see Sheffield totally transformed is by a mighty move of God and his people responding by going in response to that. That is the only way. God is calling us now to be a people that are hopeful of what he will do. He's calling us now for a people that will be hungry for his presence, that will meet together one another, 
in the place to long for, to hunger after him. He wants hearts that are hungry. Are you hungry this morning for his presence? Are you hungry to meet him? To have another touch of his presence? To be filled? Are you hungry? Maybe that's the starting place. Maybe we need to repent of wrong thinking that says, do you know what, I'm okay. I'm all right. Have you lost that edge? Have you lost that hunger? Maybe, maybe that's where we start. Do you need to just repent right now where you are in your seats? Just repent. I'm just going to ask the band um, to join me. We're, we're going to start um, a time of worship now, but uh, I just want us all to start in that place. Let's just say sorry for not being hungry. You know, I, I have not been hungry. I have not been hungry for him. I long, I long now, since reading this and seeing this, I long to see God do this amongst us. In Sheffield, to see a move of God sweep this city. But I haven't cried out for him. I haven't hungered after what he is. Let's just begin to do that with God now. Um, why don't we stand we're, we're going to worship now and um, I feel like there are some things that God will uh, is inviting us to respond to um, right now I feel like if you want to be hungry if you want to shift your thinking to be a hungry people that are given the helper for the harvest why don't you just come to the front now don't wait and this isn't about the front being special this is just about you saying yes to God This is just about you saying yes to God. Just come now. Don't wait to be hungry for this, to meet with him, to have another deep moment of encounter with him so that he equips us for the harvest, the helper, the giving of the helper, a people who are hopeful and hungry for what he's going to do. And it starts by us saying yes to that hunger. Just begin to say, I'm hungry. Just begin to long for his presence. Just in your spirit, just begin to long. He loves a longing heart and he will give you. He will give you what you need. Just take a step forward, everyone. We need a little bit more space. Thank you. Um, Josh asked me uh, this week just to kind of be hearing what we feel like the Father's saying for us this morning and um, there were three particular things that I felt like um, that, that God was wanting us to kind of hear this morning I'm going to go through them really quickly so we're not here all day um, but the first was this the first was an opportunity to be awakened this morning 
Um, I just had a real sense that people might be coming this morning feeling, a bit like what Josh said, feeling a little bit dry, feeling empty. Some of you might even feel a bit bored of church, bored of Sunday, bored of kind of church life, especially if you've been at it for a long time, even maybe bored of following Jesus here this morning. And I just had a real sense that he wants to refresh and give life to those that want it and need it. I also had these three words about the importance of waiting, expecting, and faith. You know, it says in Matthew 7:11, he has promised to give good gifts. And in Luke 11:13, it says, even the Holy Spirit um, to those who ask for it. And then finally, I had this picture of this, um, this tap in the middle of our church. And we were all kind of going towards this tap as our source of, of water, our source of refreshing, our source of life. And the tap was basically really stiff and no one could open it, no one could turn it. And the base of the tap was just dripping, like really, really kind of like a drip every kind of 30 seconds rather than um, uh, a gushing of what, when you open a tap, the water flies out. And um, there was just a sense of all of us kind of clambering over each other to try and get the, the, the drip of water was, that was there, but actually um, not fully getting all that God has for us. And I just, I just sensed in, in this picture that the Father said, ask for it and it'll be given to you. And um, I just feel like that's for us this morning, that actually um, what God really wants to do is open that tap wide and allow um, his living water to flow in us. And in the picture, I just saw the conference center being completely soaked with water. And particularly in the aisles, there was like a whirlpool, a whirlpool of water where the water was um, beginning to flood in and flush, to kind of flush around. It was kind of causing um, the water to increase and speed up. And um, there was a sense of those that wanted to kind of to engage with that, wanting to kind of drink the water. There was so much water for you to drink that actually you could just lap it up. You didn't have to kind of wait in the queue just trying to get the drops of water here and there. So I feel like what we want to do um, is we want to pray for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, it's, um, I read this really amazing um, post by Pete Gregg this morning about the importance of Pentecost and how we often kind of preach about what the Holy Spirit did on that day, but actually we often forget to actually ask for the Holy Spirit to come. It's so easy for us to go into preacher mode and actually really not engage with what the Holy Spirit wants to do. So we want to pray for people this morning that want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So if there's anyone currently in their seats that hasn't come forward, that wants to be filled with the Holy Spirit, we'd love you to come forward. There's still plenty of space for us to do that. And we're just going to take a little bit of time. We're going to worship for a little bit and we're going to pray for a little bit. And we're just going to see what God does for a bit. So... um. Again, not that this, uh, you know, you've come to the front, but maybe just hold your hands out like you're ready to receive a gift. Hungry people ready for what he wants to give. Come, Holy Spirit. Just pray you would release right now your presence to us. The gift of your presence to come in a tangible, real way. That we would meet you right now. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. We're hungry for you. Would you open that tap across this church right now? Just release the tap. We just pray a release of your presence right now. Living water, flow across this place. Flow across this place, living water. Come, presence of God. You are so welcome here. You are so welcome. just uh, encourage you to worship we're going to sing but just let your spirit begin to lift him up that was one of the things they began to worship of the signs and wonders just begin to declare his praise start with thanksgiving god you're so good your mercy is so good 
Just begin to express your gratitude for who he is. Just begin to let your heart stir and worship.